Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm nerdcore rapper Schaefer the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host the Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's the Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, internets. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back again with another episode of Flame On. This time for the month of August 2021, I am being joined on the East Coast by BJ. Hello. And Eric. Howdy. And on the West Coast, Brian is joining us. Aloha. What up? All right, y'all, we are back. Another month has passed. We are, I think it might actually be a little more than a month. We actually had a, like an extra Friday in there. So there was another microsoft that went out. We talked some drag race. It was fun. Um, there was more drag race chatter that we put on the Patreon as a Nuggy episode. We chatted a little What If as another Nuggy episode. Y'all know that we're going to talk about What If when everything is all said and done. <laughs> so if you're not on our Patreon, why not? First of all. Um, but second of all, you know that we're going to talk about What If again once uh, the full season has premiered. So uh, don't you worry. You'll get to hear us talk about it eventually. But we are here to talk about the things this month that we are enjoying. The things that, uh, yeah, have just been tickling our fancy. I don't know why that's my default go-to for a description. It's just, it just is. Tee-hee. <laughs> Tee-hee. Curtsy <laughs> laugh. Do a little uh, Dot Warner. How does something tickle your fancy when you're not ticklish? Oh, you're ticklish. You just got to find the right spot. 
Just ask so, Reba. She knows all about fancy. Oh. I'm a survivor. Oh, God. I was watching Tubi or something, and that came on, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't watch any more of these. Oh. You, made, you made me watch all, however many seasons, at least twice, I feel like. I don't know. It was such a good show. It, it Honestly, it really is a good show. It, it holds up as bad as well as you'd hope it would. It's not a perfect show for holding up, but it's still pretty good. I mean, true. True. But I think overall, I've been watching it forever, so maybe I need to go back and check it out. And then watch uh, Barbara Jean hosting uh, The Spelling Bee on CMT. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, too funny. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's dive into the topics that we are going to be chatting about today. Eric, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? What is our first topic for this episode? It is Schmig. Dune. <laughs> um, it is an American musical comedy television series that aired on Apple TV Plus um, the past couple months. Um, has anybody seen it? So I don't have Apple TV Plus um, because nobody's nice enough to share their password with me. And uh, <laughs> very few people actually subscribe to Apple Plus compared to the other streaming services. Oh, though boy. evidently that's changing because of Schmigadoon and Ted Lasso. Um, uh, but, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they have very limited programming on it, I will tell you. There's not <laughs> a lot. You need to tell me that those uh, seven day free trials are going right <laughs> like <laughs> wild of or flashbacks. <laughs> I don't know. They're just going really fast now. <laughs> um, but no, I've been watching it like now that the season's done, I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify and I have also been kind of like half watching it on you on YouTube, just like watching all the musical shorts. Uh, because the problem with the soundtracks is you get the music, but you get none of the little comments. And because it's such a meta show, I live for uh, the the two characters. I live for their random comments in the middle of the songs. It's great. Yes. Um, it is a parody and homage to the Golden Age musicals of the 40s and 50s. Um, and it stars Cicely Strong and Keegan-Michael Key, um, as a couple going through some uh, relationship issues and they get lost on a hike and trapped in the magical town of Schmigadoon uh, where they are trapped and the only way out is to find true love and they don't know if that's going to be with each other. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful show. It's uh, gorgeous. It reminds me c- cinematography-ish like Pushing Daisies and that it's bright and colorful. But everything is a set. It looks like a set. It acts like a set. Such a great cast. So many Broadway people are in this. Yeah, I was so shocked. So many. Like this, I, I, think, I don't even think I watched like the opening number on the first episode. I just picked her. I think... Um, uh, the the my guy's so queer song, 
Yeah. Like that one. That was the first <laughs> thing I watched. And I'm sitting there like, this is, she sounds fucking amazing. And then I, I actually went to IMDb and saw all like the Broadway people that are in it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, never mind. This is, it kind of reminded me of Oklahoma a bit. Yes. Um, Oklahoma is one of the main um, musicals. It's parody as well as Brigadoon, Music Man. Um, there's parts that parody uh, characters, at least that parody um, Carousel and Finian's Rainbow and uh, Sound of Music. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, other people starring in the show are Fred Armisen as the Reverend, um, Alan Cumming as the mayor, uh, Jane Kukowski shows up, Martin Short shows up, uh, Christian Chenoweth is the preacher's wife <laughs> and um she is she and her uh women friends are uh based off the group from the music man of old biddies um and their oh, actual yep. group their group is called uh mothers against the future <laughs> um. <laughs> and the, the line the line what is it is is it it's uh it's uh he says he's like he's like so are you against progression or are you actually against the gradual passage of time <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just one of those moments where where i just i think i lost it at that one i think i lost it at that clip right there uh but i must ask this yes. does that mean that kristen chenoweth is a good christian bitch <laughs> Actually, yes, she kind of reminds she me is. of her character a bit. <laughs> I was going to ask if she was great or the greatest part of Schmigadoon. Um, she is a pretty great part of it. Um, I don't know if she's the best because she only gets really one solo song in the series. But it's only six episodes, so they really had to pass the love around a lot. Um, and since how she is not one of the main characters. I'm so um, disappointed. I'm not watching it now. And whose fault is that? I mean, <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't be punished for that. Uh, but hopefully it comes back again. I mean, Peppermint shows up as a cameo Aww. in the first episode. Yep. Uh, and it's just, it's just good fun. It's um, the writers. It they have a weird background. They've been writing all of the Illumination animated movies: the Despicable Me's, the Lorax, the. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I and honestly, I love all. I love all of the songs from the Lorax. Like that was probably one of my favorite, like non-Disney musicals. Um. So that explains why a lot of the songs kind of like get stuck in your head a bit. Yeah. And they're all, um, I wouldn't say, I mean, they're not note for note parodies of songs, but you can definitely tell there's highly, um, inspired by a lot of songs. Like the Schmigadoon main title is Oklahoma basically. And, yeah. um, uh, Christian Chenoweth's big song "Tribulation" is um, "Trouble" from Music Man, and uh, the 
the the weird like health class uh song um vagina is um is it do re mi from sound of music yes because uh, Cicely Strong is an OBGYN, and so she has to teach this expecting couple about the birds and the bees. Um, it's 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 got some Pleasantville vibes to it, in a way. The outsiders uh, coming to this idealistic place and exposing them to life outside the little town. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. I give it all the flames. Did any of them say there is life outside your apartment? They did not. And there, there, there are no puppets, let alone puppet sex in the show. Uh, well, that is um, disheartening and makes me not want to watch it now. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's Schmigadoon. Now streaming all episodes. It was it was you said six episodes. Is that it for the season yep. or series? Yep. The season is done. They haven't announced a second season, but um, the creator has stated that a concept for the show involves more than one season. I would love it if they did like another, like do it kind of like an anthology. So the se- the next season's completely different, but like a a different musical styles. Yeah, and it could be almost that the town evolves um, into different decades, so they have different shows to parody. Oh, nice. Uh, but, I mean, it, the executive producer was Lauren Michaels, so I, he put a lot of money into it. I'm sure he's not going to let the property go. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But it's amazing. I didn't see nobody talking about how, oh, why is this parodying old stuff? That we don't know and we don't like. That's because musical theater people appreciate their history. And actually study it as opposed to... Um, the schlubs. I guess, sit, I guess sitcom people? <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I appreciate and love my sitcoms, okay? <laughs> I did too. Which is it's also why that... I was sitting there like extolling the virtues of WandaVision after the first episode. <laughs> it's just that kids today, their Nick at Night is like full house and step by step. So I don't even it. think it's that. Like I think it's even <laughs> um, more recent. I think it's like the George Lopez show. It's like the 2000s, early 2000s yeah. shows. Yeah, I was going to say, did you just say Nick at Night? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I don't even know if Nick at Night exists anymore. I don't know if it's... Is it? it I, th- yeah. I thought it was called TV Land. No, no, no. That's where, like, the older shows go for the most part. Except for, like, uh, you know, Hot in Cleveland. But no, Nick at Night, I think, is still a thing. It's just... As we get older, the shows are, like... They shift with us. So, yeah. The last time I had checked... The last time I saw any, like, Nick at Night programming uh, listed, it was all, like, the George Lopez show and those early aughts uh, sitcoms. Because musical theater is a little different because every decade or so, these old shows will get revivals. And so new audiences will get um, exposed to them on a more regular basis. Everything old is new again. Exactly. I think that's a song from uh, Forbidden Broadway, but for the life of me, it's, I can't think of how it goes. <laughs> Well, it's it's a song from a uh, boy from Oz, so I'm sure Forbidden Broadway took it and parried yes. it. Yes, 
Wait, they I, yeah, I think they did, and it was like uh, the boy from Odd was the yeah. uh, the name of the, the track or, or whatever. I've only listened like to one actual Forbidden Broadway album, so that is Schmigadoon on Apple TV Plus, and uh, yeah, great topic, Eric. All right, let's throw it on over to BJ. Why don't you tell us what our next topic is? Oh, boy. Uh, I gotta say, I was beyond surprised by um, this next topic. I'm talking about the Suicide Squad that is in theaters, and I think it's still currently on HBO Max. It was as of last night when I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, so just if, for those of you that don't know, which I'm pr- actually a lot of people didn't know, uh, James Gunn was temporarily fired by Disney because some people raised a stink on some old tweets uh, that he had done. I didn't actually read them, but apparently whenever he um, first signed on with Disney, he actually like gave them to he was like, hey, by the way, here's a skeleton in my closet that's going to come back and bite us. Um, just so you know. Yeah, it so, was from when he from when he first started. And he was working with uh, it was like Troma, like yeah. Troma Pictures, yep, Troma Films, whatever. Yeah, that, so these date back a while ago. Oh yeah, and, he, and but, he got out ahead of it, which was the right thing to do. But apparently, that did not stop it. No. So, and, only, um, and if you didn't know about James Gunn's firing, then you obviously were not friends with friend of the pod Jay Abbott, <laughs> who was very oh, vocal yeah. during that whole point. Yep. The, uh, but no, so uh, Warner Brothers uh, snatched him up and had he wrote and directed uh, the new Suicide Squad movie, which is completely rated R, because let me tell you, the gore is, it's it's actually, you know what's funny? It's just so casual. It's casual gore. Um, it's like cartoonish gore, if that makes any sense. Yes. Uh, in that it's so like ridiculous and over the top, especially if you are a fan of birds at all. <laughs> Just don't watch this movie. What the Just, fuck was up with that? I don't know, man. It's, Why does he hate fathers and birds so much? <laughs> well, I, he got. I, I was going to say the bird got his revenge. Um, one? one did. One did. Um, I did appreciate the, that, though. I did appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's the thing I love the most is that they didn't. They, there was no big, long, drawn-out explanation as to what Task Force X is. There was it, You literally start off the movie with Amanda Waller being like, hey, it's time to go. Mission start. And um, it, was, it was very refreshing because it was one of those things where like, it's, it's a simple enough concept. You can literally have a character say it walking down the hallway. Like, it's Which not, she did. Which she, she absolutely did. did because... The whole point of, like, you get 10 years off if you complete the mission. Like, that I don't even think was in the original, the David Ayer, or was it Ayer that was yeah, behind was the David original? Ayer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so real quick, especially because you said that. Have you seen the Honest trailer for sui- the, the Suicide Squad? No. Okay, you need to. And if those of you <laughs> listening, go and watch it after you listen to this. I'll, I'll uh, make sure to put it up on the Facebook because and now whenever we talk about a movie i always make sure i try to watch the honest trailer and the pitch meeting for it 
because so many things get pointed out in those that I don't usually pay attention to. But my favorite part was right at the beginning where it says, where we've traded in long drawn out exposition about characters for no introduction of characters whatsoever. <laughs> Just right into it. And and honestly, like, because they the cast was so ridiculously huge. And so many like random names uh, were just tossed around. I know like Nathan Fillion's TDK, the detachable kid, um, Fl- Flula Borg, uh, who's like an internet comedian, uh, was Javelin. So the whole thing, yeah, the whole, just like going into it, they were like, yeah, no, people are going to die. Because I think in the, the first movie, like one person is literally just introduced to be killed so you're like uh uh you could die and then like nobody's head gets blown off the movie is called suicide squad yeah and so i think james gunn who i obviously know loves the property loves these characters took that not maybe literally but in a certain sense in one case literally uh like it's it's uh i was both shocked and also uh happy (laughs) Uh, in some ways uh, with the first 15 minutes of the film. <laughs> I, will yeah. say, I will say this in uh, for the the listeners that are at home yelling at their listening devices. Um, the property is the, sui- the Suicide Squad. <laughs> Let's just make sure we get that the in there. We right. don't want it confused with the original film. <laughs> the definite article makes all the difference. but well, um, <laughs> Right. But like, so it, it was... Honestly, everything because you 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 have two separate teams. So we'll just go ahead and put a, like a slight spoiler warning on here. I mean, we usually just spoil the shit out of everything, so I'm not super worried about it. Um, if you know, you know. Um, but like, I absolute the chemistry between all the characters and all the actors was just fucking phenomenal. Like. I mean, everybody was, by the end of the movie, everybody was pretty fleshed out. Uh, everybody got some time to shine. I was actually very happy with Bloodsport. It's a character I'm not super familiar with, but Idris Elba, like, I forget how funny he is. He's really fucking funny. And I honestly don't know why he's not in more comedic films, because everybody got to kind of exercise their comedic timing in this. And it was just... Um, and so Sylvester Stallone is King Shark. Like, what the fuck? Like, I I don't even understand how good, like, him just tottering around like a weirdo, just saying random things. Friend, like, nom nom. Did did he do the motion capture? <laughs> no, actually, the okay. motion capture was it was Steve Ag, right? Yes, yeah, Steve Ag yeah. did the motion capture. You sure uh, it wasn't Andy Circus? <laughs> <laughs> he might have done Weasel. Oh my god. No, no it's James Gunn. That's, that's James Gunn's brother, I think. Sean yeah, Gunn. Sean, Sean Gunn did Weasel, and Sean Gunn was also Calendar Man uh making fun of Polka Dot Man at, at Blackgate. He was standing, he was just standing there like he had he had all the he had all the months tattooed on his forehead. Um but yeah, it was the references were just a- absolutely phenomenal. Um, I I honestly, if, if a movie had to get a four hour cut, that's the one I want. That's the one I want. But uh, no, the story was engaging, and I have to say, after seeing this movie, uh, 
honestly, out of all the most recent DC films, like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is just killing it right now because like we we've had more character development for Harley Quinn than any other DC character in any other movie. And some of them have gotten like two or three movies. And I'm just like, just when she shoots, when she shoots that one guy and her, her rational, her rationale, it's, it's great. Like it's, that is perfect comic book Harley Quinn. Like she's just 100% just like, "Mm, I'm not going to chance it. So I have to murder you. So let's let's paint the picture because this scene, in fact, her storyline to me is one of the best parts of this film. She is basically captured by this dictator of a, yeah. a small South American nation um, and or island nation or something. And and he he at first says like, oh, he's a big fan. And so like she thinks she's going to get tortured. But then she's like, oh, she gets a dress. She gets treated really nicely. Uh, he takes her like has this private dinner, all this stuff. And then kind of puts the cards on the table like, no, actually, it's not. I'm not necessarily just your biggest fan, but my my people love you for your um i forgot how he it's, says it. it's anti-american sentiment right her anti-american or how she is constantly telling american society to go fuck itself because she's a criminal or because she's yeah. you know whatever she is anti-hero whatever the fuck she is but yeah so 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 that so so because of that he think and 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 his people have been telling that he needs to marry he needs to have a wife blah 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 it'll help soften his image so he's like this is a perfect match but i'm also really into you now having spent you know the, the last however long with her having dinner and this whole scene plays out it's very romantic and then kind of messed up at the same time but also you know genuine and the gorgeous birds and the birds (laughs) did you you show them the birdies oh my god (laughs) and then it turns sideways as you would expect but you don't expect this honestly oh yeah i did not believe that this is where they were going and she kills him. She just takes a gun or she you know, takes a gun from his cabinet. I think it's one of his guns or something and shoots him just point blank in the head. And he dies in front of her. Um, and, and then that's what like, you know, BJ was saying, like, you know, she's doing this because she realizes that her taste in men is shit and she doesn't trust herself. And so the only thing she can do now is if she starts to fall for someone, she knows that's a bad sign and she kills him. Well, no, well, no, it's she's she said she's like she's on the lookout for red flags. And he was pretty much talking like the previous leaders of the country where they would send all these people to be experimented on using Starro. And yeah, the, yeah, the red and, flag was uh, killing children. Yeah, yes. Yeah, children. Was, right. He was, yeah. He was going to send children. He, was, he would say if there were anybody rose up against him, he would send their children there. And she's just like, I'm on the lookout for red flags. And killing kids is kind of a big red flag but that was, monologue she gives afterwards where she's just like they don't just go away they yeah. they they slash your tires they kill your dog which makes me think that bruce uh her hyena uh from birds of prey might have gotten killed oh, um okay. yeah poor bruce uh, she's like they don't just go away and the idea that she's still like you see that scar of her having been with Joker for so long that she absolutely isn't going to risk having another ex ex that's like the Joker. She's not risking it. And so I love yeah, that. It's, it's great emotional maturity. It, it, it's a very, we're talking about this. Like it's a whole big, huge section of the movie. It's really quick. Yeah. It's a quick yeah. scene. And then after that, you get this 
amazing action set piece of her busting out of this uh, facility or this not facility, but this. Uh, well, there's a little bit that happens between now and this, but basically she gets bust. She busts herself out as the other group is coming to rescue her. And that whole sequence where they bring in cartoon birds and animals and to cover the blood splatter that's happening. I mean, it is, it is a perfect distillation of, uh, if you just watch that as like a short film, that whole thing with Harley is beautiful. And the rest of the movie I didn't love. I think I stopped and started at least a dozen times just because of <laughs> reasons. I don't know. Didn't grab me. I am watching it at home. Admittedly, if I was in the theater, I probably well, I wouldn't have done that. Um, but, uh, you're Mr. Projector uh, man. Can you stop this movie yeah. for a second? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like I've lost interest. Please stop. <laughs> no, but, um, I, 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 I do want to go back and give it a chance. I will say also Peter, uh, Peter Capaldi, who has, you know, over time become one of my favorite doctors. Uh, he's pretty great in it. He doesn't get a lot to work with. In fact, I think he really had the deck stacked against him for that character. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But there are definitely little moments where I was like, there it is. That's the Capaldi <laughs> I love. Um, and, and honestly, every, uh, the cast is fantastic overall. Like uh, the guy that plays polka dot man, whose, whose name escapes me. He's in the new uh, dude oh, movie. Polka dot man. It was amazing. Right. Uh, it's he's um, uh, he was, Oh, it's uh, yeah. Desh. Desh Mishalin is his last name. Yeah. I want to so say he's, David. He's in the new Dune as the, uh, the evil Mentot, Peter DeVries. And I've seen him pop up in other random things. And so you, you see his face, you're like, oh, that weird guy. Because he's always cast as like that weird, he, lonery, awkward person. He was, um, um, he was, um, he was in, uh, he was Edward Nigma in one of the animated Batman films. Makes sense. He was, um, uh, Abracadabra in the Flash TV series. <gasps> oh my God. I forgot about that. You're it, right. Yeah. Holy shit. So he's done, he's done tons of DC property stuff. Um, and, and the polka dot man, like from the comics, there's so many probably different takes on polka dot man who cares. Doesn't matter. But this take the fact that he was like ejected or like exposed to this alien virus. And now he has to expel polka dot energy or he'll just blow up or he'll, he gets all disfigured. And the fact that he can't, this is my favorite visual gag. I think <laughs> the fact that every time they show his POV, all you see is his mother in the face and body of people around him because he, he makes this <laughs> offhanded remark. Like he kind of, it kind of implied he killed his mom and, or, 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 you know, wants to, or something, but all he sees is her everywhere he goes. And then they show it that first time. And what, a few more times. Love- he doesn't want to kill people, but imagining his mom makes it very easy to do. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It, I, it just brilliant. That part. I just, I just love the fact that every time, if you notice, Every time they do a scene where it's from his point of view and and there's a group of people and they're all his mom, they linger on it for a uncomfortable amount yes. of time every single every single time and on and like the first time it happened uh, i was watching it with some friends everybody it, it, there's a pause and everybody just goes uh and then there's another pause like for when you get over that initial shock and now you're looking at detail and it's just so uncomfortable. Um, and it's, uh, it's just great. And then I have to also say rat catcher two was oh, yeah. blindsided yeah. me. She was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and then we have to have a little short talk about John Cena's peacemaker and his uh, tidy whities uh, package. 
Um, it, it gratuitous, and I hate John Cena, so I don't know. That was the whole <laughs> thing was wasted on me. But let's go back to Ratcatcher too, because did you catch the cameo? Her mm-hmm. father, Ratcatcher one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Taiko Watiti. Yeah, totally blinking. You miss it. Like if you're not even thinking about it, you might think back later, like, oh, they sounded familiar, and then it's like, oh, that's. Uh, but uh, that whole story is great too. The rat uh, guy. What was the deal with him and the rats? Like he was um, like. He was so he was uh, he was addicted. It looked like he had a meth addiction, a drug addiction. That's what it was, yeah. And he was a metahuman um, that could control. He could control rats on his own, mm. but he created the technology for her to be able to do it. Uh, and it's kind of implied that she's like she can like she talks to Sebastian without using the wand. Um, but uh, but Sebastian also, is her little rat buddy who wears clothes <laughs> and always wants to like wave at you or shake your hand or something, and everyone's freaked out, especially uh, uh, uh Death Shot or Death. What's it? What's 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 blood, blood sport. Blood sport. Blood sport. Sorry, sorry, not confused with Dead Sport, Deadpool, <laughs> Blood Spot, Dead, uh, dead Sport, uh, any of the other permutations. Dead it was, it was, it was Dead Shot, right? Yeah, Dead, dead Shot was yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. But did you get the other um? Blink and you'll miss it cameo at the bar. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, it's the actress from um, Guardians. Yeah, the actress that plays Mantis is, yeah. is one of the performers at the bar. Um, I was like, that one's a little more Blink and you miss it. Yeah, where, that yeah, one is really like, quick. Taika Waititi's yeah. scene was at least a little longer. I mean, I knew it was coming, so I didn't have to, like, it, it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, being that the film has been out for a, a, a few weeks at this point, and I finally just got around to watching it. I was like, I want to um, be part of this conversation. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love, I love, uh, but uh, so just so everybody else knows, apparently coming early next year, they will be having a spinoff TV series on HBO Max uh, for Peacemaker. Um. <laughs> which, I'm kind of su- which I'm kind of surprised that they honestly didn't make him a more likable character then no well that 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 was so that was the thing is if there's a character like john cena in interviews was like oh no you're gonna fucking hate him like he's like he is literally like the worst parts of america like he is everything you're gonna hate like and he and he talked it up a lot where he was just like the douchiest captain america possible and he delivered on it, like, absolutely. But well, the interesting part is that Steve Agee and Jennifer Holland, who were two of the analysts um, working under Amanda Waller, have been saddled with him as a punishment for fucking up their jobs. Um, so uh, they're going to be in the Peacemaker series as his analysts. So I was just reading, because I, I didn't hear this. Uh, I guess Gunn wrote all the series. James Gunn wrote the whole series. Oh. And uh, filmed like five of eight episodes, so it's not like, oh yeah, that's a nice little spinoff and uh, whoever. No, no, J- James Gunn's very involved, and it's going to be very uh, reflective. But what's interesting, I guess, with Peacemaker is, like you said, it's kind of a satire of conservative American sort of ex-military that whole attitude you sometimes get, where mm-hmm. and they're going to have a character in the series that sort of is a foil. In, in his family or related to him, that's a foil who's probably like that, you know, socially progressive, progressive, liberal, whatever, whatever, and challenging uh, Cena's character. But I, I just, I wish I liked John Cena. I don't know why I don't. I have no rational explanation. I think he's just too douchey. But I get that in this case, that's totally the point. He is a, yeah. supposed to be a douche. But I mean, but- he's a good comic 
timing, at least in some of his other roles. Um, he isn't a bad actor. I just, I just think that the character of U.S. Agent from Falcon and Winter Soldier was uh, much more effective than Peacemaker was. And, well, I mean, I, I guess you had a little understanding for his predicament more so than you do with Peacemaker. Um, that That's the thing, though, is but, Peace, Peacemaker, it, it, they, they touched on it a little bit um, throughout the movie, and it's just the idea that it's not so much him protecting America, it's more so under this sort of guise as the quote-unquote Peacemaker, he gets to fucking do what he wants. Yeah, Peacemaker and, is satire. Uh, Winter Soldier, uh, U.S. Agent's not. I think that's the real difference there. I mean, I don't think anyone would take Peacemaker as a straight character, like without any comedic or satirical element. Uh, but I agree with you, Eric. I think if you're trying to have that sense of a dedicated American fighting for his homeland, doing blah, 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 uh, Winter Soldier, that's, 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 that's U.S. Agent. Not uh, not Peacemaker, which the only thing I remember ever reading Peacemaker in, and I got to go dig some uh, history of that, this character, Grant Morrison did a pass, uh, like a, a parody, a sort of a satire of Watchmen in his, uh, uh, oh God, what's the series called? Oh my God, Multiversity. And it is a really great, it's a one-off issue. You don't have to know anything really to, uh, to read it. But you, you have to know a little bit about like the Watchmen and then sort of like the Charlatan characters that uh, or Charlton rather, not Charlton, Charlton characters who uh, who inspired them. But Peacemakers in that in that same outfit, iconic look, the whole thing. And uh, there's a little bit of the satire in him there, too. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, those are reading assignments for you all before the series. Make sure you go find that. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll but, check. Uh, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a test before, uh, you know, before it comes out. But uh, I will say, um, I I will say one thing though about the movie is that a lot of what was done in this movie was pretty much done in Birds of Prey. Um, the nonlinear storytelling, which I think Birds of Prey did it slightly better, um, like the fight the fight choreography. I don't think it was this. It wasn't the same fight choreographer, but the fight choreography for Harley Quinn was about equal as it was for this movie. Um, a lot of the fight choreography, actually, from uh, Birds of Prey and this movie, are pretty much top notch. They're they're great. Um, so I will I will say that Birds of Prey did a lot, kind of set the stage for another Reddit rated R um, DC movie. Um, but I look forward to seeing what because uh, I guess Warner Brothers uh, James Gunn has a contract with Warner Brothers, and one of his stipulations for coming back to Disney is that they have to work with his schedule now. Um, so it'll be I'll, I'm very interested to see what other DC projects he's going to do. Um, I do know that later down the line, they are planning on a Gotham Sirens movie. Um, so I'd be very interested to see if he was attached to that or if um, the director, I can't remember her name um, uh, for Birds of Prey was attached to that. Uh, they are doing a uh, they announced they are doing a uh, mo- uh, uh, Black Canary movie. Um, with the director slash writer from Lovecraft Country. Um, oh, since, yeah, Misha Green? Yeah, Misha, so Misha Green's going to be working on that. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. Um, I'm I'm very excited for what the future holds, and honestly, this movie, uh, like like uh, Eric, for me, because I love a good, pointless, 
violent nonsense. I loved trauma films growing up, gory horror movies, and this was pretty much at this point with everything still being garbage in the world. <laughs> this this scratched a very needed itch. So uh, I know this gets all the flames from me as well. So I did find out more about uh, Peacemaker. He is a Charlton character, which makes sense because he showed up in that that uh, issue I mentioned. He came out in the 60s. So he's a very a relatively older character. Oh, wow. And what's different about it in this case, but I think related is he is a pacifist diplomat. So so he is committed to nonviolent like society like that is very much baked into him. Uh, he's so committed to peace that he is willing to use force as a superhero to advance the cause. And so I feel like this version is sort of the satirical version of the, of the peacemaker uh, as originally portrayed in the comics. Uh, but you know, either way it's uh it's an entertaining. I'll, I'll watch the series. I'm curious to see more. Gun. Did you know also, by the way, you're talking about trauma. Have you watched the trauma film Vegas in space? Has it, have any of you watched this movie? I have not seen that one. Did gonna, James Gunn do that one? No, this is from the uh, early nineties, 91, I think. Oh, so okay. listeners, I'm going to tell just totally random, not related, except that you said trauma. If you <laughs> want to see a drag queen space trauma epic, and I say trauma epic in that it is totally a trauma film in its budget and it's uh, special effects. If you, if you take my meaning here, go watch Vegas in space. It's on Amazon drag queens and it's from the early 90s and that a little bit before like you know priscilla and all the other movies that we love but it's outstanding you got to see it i had not seen it before i i'm kind of mad that no none of my elder gays told me about this movie it is fantastic and oh by the way drag queens in space from the early 90s i'm just saying you got to watch it that'll also be on the test (laughs) yeah i I like the movie. I don't, it's weird. I've seen a lot of praise and I've seen some people who are just like adamantly not fans of the movie. It felt like two movies put together at some points. Like there was parts that were so absurd for what felt like the sake of absurdity and I like James Gunn. I like what he's done with Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not mad about it. And I'm not going to sit here and try to bash and be like, oh, DC movies suck. This definitely didn't like sit, make me sit here and go, okay, I can't wait for the next DC film to come out. It made me sit here and go, okay, I'm excited to see what James Gunn will do next for DC and DC films. But I don't know. Like Some of like the more over-the-top things were just kind of weird. The addition of Starro was odd and I felt weird and squeamish every time it would walk and then would shoot little starfish out the sides. Like that whole sides opening thing just was like, <laughs> um, Harley. I'm just not a fan. Start the hate comments right now. I mean, <laughs> for those of you listening, feel free to cancel me. Um, there were parts that I didn't mind about her, but there were, parts that i just didn't care like she's an oddly overpowered character and not that i want her to be a damsel in distress by any means but everything just seemed way too much um i did like parts of it though well you know parts of her her story i did enjoy the where she broke herself out like that scene 
where Flag and uh, Bloodsport are getting ready and Bloodsport starts to climb the wall and he's like five feet off the ground and she's like, what are you guys doing? And it's like, we're coming to rescue you. Well, I can go back inside and you, you can finish out the plan. Like that part to me was like that. That was awesome. Like, definitely, BJ, what you were saying, the chemistry with the actors is fantastic. Um, Idris Elba, did anybody else notice a an uncanny resemblance to uh, Jesse L. Martin, especially in like the last couple of seasons of The Flash with the scruff, the, the salt and pepper scruff? And like if you just put a little like fedora on him, you could just <laughs> swap out the two characters, the two actors, and uh, I'd feel like you'd have an equally fun movie regardless. Idris, Idris Elba is aging in a very delightful way. Yes, oh, he for is. sure. I mean, like a fine wine. Mm hmm. <laughs> like a good imported cheese. Mm. I mean, stanky one, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> both are positive, you know, examples. One's just more awkward than the other. Thanks, BJ. God. <laughs> <laughs> but when the movie kind of, I don't know, felt a little more. I don't even want to say serious because it still wasn't serious. But when it felt a little more grounded, I guess I should say. I enjoyed it more. You know, the opening scene, the, the whole beach thing, like there were parts of it, but at the same time, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous, which I know it's meant to be, but it just wasn't my taste. Um, the chapter titles, I don't understand why this is a thing now with DC movies. Like, <laughs> is it in response to uh, location, you know, titles that are on the screen and how like they just keep getting bigger and bigger in Marvel movies where now it's just like location. And it's like the entire screen. Uh, the only one I will say I did enjoy it was um, the Jotunheim one where I think it was the last one where when the, the camera moved, it was all of the pieces of like different parts of like the rooftops that oh, from yeah. the angle actually spelled out Jotunheim. Uh, and for a second, I thought it was like, am I watching a Thor movie now? Like, am I, in, <laughs> am I on a different realm? Are there frost giants that will be coming out here any minute? <laughs> but uh, overall, I did like the movie. You know, I, I will say that not a lot of the DC movies have made me walk away from them going, hey, that was a pretty good movie. But this one did. I, I would probably say 3.75 flames from me, which I know is a little low, but higher than some people that I saw on Twitter that were like 10 minutes into the new Suicide Squad movie and I had to walk away. I fucking hate it. I'm like, that's not my opinion. I at least, you know, I did enjoy it. It's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, for, you never know who's going to react to certain things, especially when it comes to movies or, or types of entertainment. Because I do know, I have, I had a friend who was, uh, I had like three or four friends over and we watched it. And one, I didn't realize he absolutely hates, like, gore. He can He like. I didn't know. None of us do that. But like at the end of the movie, he's like, "I actually really liked that." He's like, "I want." He wanted the bail. Like after that whole beach fight, that whole beach massacre, he was like, he wanted to immediately stop watching the movie and just leave. But then he sat it out and watched it and was just like, "No, I'm glad I watched it." And so that's some people. If if you watch the first one going into this thinking it's going to be like. PG-13, no, this is a hard R. There's a lot of male nudity in it, which is great. Um, 
so, one some random bystander that gets murdered. You see <laughs> his dick. So um, it's it's uh it, it is a hard R. So if you are not one for hard R movies, then maybe like just watch some clips um, of the op- actually honestly just watch the opening scene and it'll give you a good idea. Um, also another little Easter egg, uh, at the beginning with, uh, Savant's character, um, when he kills the little bird, the, uh, symbol on the, in blood on the ball is the bat, uh, is the Batman symbol. Hmm. So. Interesting. (laughs) Leave, Leave you with a little piece of trivia. Brian, any last thoughts and what is your flame rating for the Suicide Squad? I would also agree 3.75 and I would give it higher if I had actually finished it <laughs> because the, 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 the ending I heard is sort of ridiculous. Never thought, but I I've read about what happens and I, I, I will finish it, but yeah, 3.75 given that I couldn't quite make my way through the whole thing. And uh, it, it works better. For, I, I will say this. It works better for me than 75% of the DC movies that have come out. So it worked better for me than Wonder Woman 1984, which I never thought I would say. Oh. Goddamn, Wonder Woman 1984 really made me sad. It's tough. I, that's a tough. They're they're so different. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think you're right. I'll go with that. I'll go with. I'll agree. Eric, did you uh, partake in the Suicide Squad? I did. I watched it on the day it came out. Ooh, uh, look at you from go. The com- from the comfort of my own home. Look at him being like <laughs> responsible. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it was more lazy than anything. If you're going to put it on HBO Max. <laughs> right? Um, I mean, true. <laughs> um, I gave it a, a four out of five flames. Um, I think there was... it was. It was good. It was, I thought it was really well done, but there were parts that just kind of left me, eh. Like, it was, as far as her, any villain thing, it was all, let's just get to Starro. Like, because we know Starro's here. Let's just get to Starro. Like, who cares about the coup that's happening? I don't care about the general at all. They're just, uh, the army is just a group of people to kill. That's all it is. I almost would have been happier if. Starro like didn't have that turn because even as Starro was dying and he was saying I was happy just floating out in space like I would have almost felt better about the movie if they had subverted all that expectation and just let Starro live and fly off into space to be completely honest <laughs> yeah then then it's not a movie about bad guys <laughs> there was an entire <laughs> village of fucking generals that did a coup and then we I, the whole movie's bad guys <laughs> exactly. the whole suicide squad is exactly. nobody's getting out of this unscathed like <laughs> I mean I I had mixed feelings about that because Starro other than the little baby Starro that Batman raised um, Starro is pretty fucking terrifying creature like I was I was a little bit I almost wanted it to be just as bad as it was when it was first introduced in the comics and everything but I there was a, there I felt weird when it died I mean technically you just lop off a limb and then give it a couple hundred years and it'll grow um but, but the whole thing was because 
he wasn't brought to Earth as a fully grown conqueror yet. Yeah. He was brought to Earth as an infant and then experimented on for 30 years. So they had not developed their full personality yet or conquering ways. Yeah. I will say that Starro is supposed to be terrifying because he was the first threat that the Justice League faced back in Brave and the Bold, whatever. Like, you know, he's supposed to be pretty terrifying. So if they got that right, good. But at the same time, I think the Jaro is the one I think that Batman raised in the most recent DC stuff. And the sympathies are a little more towards that, you know, entity now because of that character. Uh, Either way, I don't know. I was I was surprised that we would ever have a movie given that DC is super serious on their stuff that would have a giant starfish monster. <laughs> I, I was tickled when I saw the trailer and realized that was coming. So even though I color palette that completely slaps the face of the entire <laughs> Snyderverse. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this is the one thing I will say for James Gunn. He is a bright and bold and beautiful, uh, colorful director. And I appreciate both his color palettes that he works with and uh, musically, the the song choices that uh, pervade his films, I I love both aspects of his movies. I just wish Polka Dot Man had lived. That's all I wanted. That was sad. That was sad. That and when uh, apparently a cutscene from Mortal Kombat showed up in the fight between Flag and Peacemaker. Um, uh, I haven't played a lot of Mortal Kombat in the last uh, fifteen years. Until Mortal Kombat 11 last year during like when everything was shut down and I couldn't go anywhere. And when that shard of uh, porcelain, I mean, I'm sure not porcelain, but, you know, tile or, or toilet, it, it almost looked like it might have been a piece of the toilet itself, was jammed in there. And then it looked like a cutscene right off of my television while playing Mortal Kombat 11. I was like, that's that's excessive. I was also really sad that Rick Flagg died. And that really pissed me off about Peacemaker. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't want to watch your show. Like, <laughs> I, like the only way I would have wanted to watch this show is if it was some sort of prequel before the events of this. <laughs> but yeah, it's not going to be. I wasn't sure. And I thought that's what they were going to do because I, I knew that Peacemaker was going to be a TV show. Uh, yeah. There's a Twitter account, DC Peacemaker, which is his account. Uh, and it's actually pretty funny to read through because it's all shit talking from peacemaker but i didn't know where that was set and when i watched the movie and he gets shot i was like oh okay so it's gonna be a prequel i got it all right and then the you know credit scene i was like oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) so i'll throw this out to anybody any final thoughts on the suicide squad it was great it's worth the watch I'd agree with that. All right. Well, we thank you all so much for listening out there. If you have not done so, go check out our website, flameonshow.com. There you can uh, find us on all of our social media platforms. You can find us on our YouTube channel. You can find us on our respective Twitch channels. Eric. Uh, Not yet, but maybe one day. (laughs) And uh, you can also find your ways to support our show. Uh, one being through our Threadless shop where you can buy your own Flame On merch and swag and rock it and show it off to your friends. 
Or you can head over to our Patreon page and uh, become a supporter at any one of the four levels that we have there for you to uh, become a patron. And with that being said, I do want to give a shout out to a couple of people. Uh, there were some changes and some additions to our Patreon family with, uh, I think it happened either right before or right after our last full cast recording. And I miss saying it because sometimes it happens. But I wanted to give a shout out to Sean. Sean T. Red is one of our patrons and uh, getting a big old thank you from us, as well as uh, a social media shout that's going to be coming probably before this drops, but maybe after it's up on Patreon for a first listen. I don't know. It's coming very soon, Sean. But ch- uh, check that out. He's not uh, social media connected to us, so I will not be able to tag him. But we do want to say thank you to Sean. And with that, here is BJ's totally personalized, but not at all, horoscope for you. Today, think of the taste of meat. Red meat. Chicken. Pork. And think about how those things were once alive. Think about how they had families and how you've consumed their bodies and converted their bodies into strength for yourself. Just remember, we're only on the food pyramid because of our ability to use thumbs and reason. The moment a disease decides to jump species, we're in a lot of trouble. But for now, enjoy that taco. Al Pastor is my favorite. Well, Sean, I hope you enjoyed that horror scope. And thank you for being a patron, one of our Seaster 6 members. Uh, we thank you so much for that. Our next shout out goes to another three lettered man, just like TDK. I was going to say TKD. I don't know why my brain does not want to put these letters correctly. <laughs> but uh, his, his uh, name is letters as well. Uh, DJP, David is our uh, a new member at our fantastic for level so a big shout out to you djp and uh your social media shout out will be coming very soon as well be on the lookout for that if you do peruse casually through some of our social media and uh here is bj's totally personalized and not at all random horoscope for you today think about how your boyfriend is probably not cheating on you i mean they probably are but there, that's no reason to fly into a rage and skin them and flay them alive. That's, that's not a healthy coping mechanism. What is a healthy coping mechanism is making sure you always have an exit plan. Just kidding. There are no exit plans. Life is an existential dread. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, DJP. And our last shout out is to a friend of the pod who has been around for so long has been a supporter of ours. He has been to our old uh, Rosevere palatial estate to record, uh, to sit in on a recording. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he will join us as a guest host, as one of the perks for being our newest house member. Uh, That is Ron. Ron, thank you so much. Welcome to the Patreon family. So, Ron, you'll be getting a shout-out here uh, very soon. Ron just uh, joined our Patreon within the last uh, couple of days, or last week or so, roughly. 
And it's about uh, so we, time. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, Ron. You're a little late, but we love you anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Ron, here is your extra special horoscope from BJ. Today's horoscope is nothing. The slight embrace of nothing can free you from everything. It can bring you peace. It can bring you hope. For when everything returns to nothing, there is no stress. Why worry about bills? Why worry about eating, sleeping? Just embrace the ever abyss of nothing. Silence, delicious silence, and the end of all that there ever is or was. Remember, Ron, today is your day to do, feel, nothing. All right, Ron, I hope you enjoyed that horoscope. We thank you again. We thank all of our patrons for helping us keep the show running, help keeping the lights on even during crazy storms here in the Midwest. Uh, I think Brian's the only one not dealing with crazy storms, so good on you. But uh, thank you all so much. If you are not a patron yet and you would like to, head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and join at any one of the four levels. Great perks are there for you. And um, merch is going out very, 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 very soon. We've got pins that will be heading out to our house members uh, here in the near future. We are still working on getting some uh, stuff done with the postcard that is a little delayed. But it will be coming uh, soon as well. All right. One more time. That is patreon.com forward slash flame on show. And our website is flameonshow.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right. So we have just a couple of topics left before we wrap up our roundup. So, Brian, why don't you give us our next topic? So I came to this party really late and had heard about it, but didn't catch up, didn't try to watch it. Uh, And I hope we haven't talked about it already. Have we talked about Wellington Paranormal? I don't think so. BJ is mouthing, uh, but words are not coming through my ear holes. I'm going to guess. There he's. Um, I I think uh, I think I mentioned it in passing that there was a spinoff of what we do in the shadows. Oh, um, great. So have anybody else watched it besides me? I watched a couple episodes. OK, so here's the thing. Have you all and I'm asking sort of a rhetorical way, but you guys as well. What we do in shadows. We've seen it. 
not the, just the American TV series, but the original movie. No. Oh boy. So uh, <laughs> rhetorically listeners, if you're not already familiar with what we do in shadows, uh, you should be third season actually is getting ready to come out. Uh, it all started. Now the American show is like the, like a sort of a spinoff of this movie that uh, uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine, I can never say German, Jermaine Clement from Fly of the Concords uh, did in New Zealand back, oh gosh, probably like six or seven years ago. And um, the what we do in Shadows, the American version is a spinoff that takes place in America, whereas the original movie is about a bunch of vampires in New Zealand, specifically in Wellington, which is a major city in New Zealand. So... In addition to the American series that they did of this, you know, vampire comedy, it's totally ridiculous comedy, uh, mockumentary sort of style uh, director, you know, that kind of approach where you have like a camera crew, kind of like The Office, yada, yada. So they also made a series back in 2018 called Wellington Paranormal. And it is set in Wellington. It is all about Wellington. Uh, it is uh, through the eyes instead of the the monsters themselves or the vampires. Or, or werewolves, it is set through the eyes of police. And these police officers are investigating unusual and paranormal and supernatural, whatever, occurrences. So think X-Files. In fact, the opening is a complete X-Files uh, <laughs> homage in the, in the opening uh, sound, the, the, like the opening theme. And the also, like, they have, like, a little, their own little hidden office that's very much like uh, Mulder's office from the TV series. Uh and from there, it's really just a sort of a farce of 30 minute, very quick uh, episodes of different monsters of the week. Uh, the first season. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they do uh, everything from alien abductions to uh, zombies, which was a fan. I think the zombie one, which is the last episode, was my favorite of that season. That was uh, my favorite one the there's a there's a little bit of a vampire thing but not not directly tied into what we do in shadows but but felt a little bit like that um gosh werewolves uh uh, ghosts uh anyway so that first season's fine it's it's pretty good uh if you like the style of humor of of the jermaine clement with white title title with tt like it's it's very much in their same vein I think when they did the second season and evidently the third season they got like a big budget increase because the first series and the the second season, which came out in 2019, so this is all like you know been out for a while in New Zealand. Finally coming out, by the way, on HBO uh, Max. So if you have that, uh, maybe HBO proper. I'm not sure. I don't you know care about cable anymore. Uh, they do a Loch Ness monster sort of uh, kaiju ish episode in the first episode. It's like <laughs> like it's like the, the graphics are still television and television from New Zealand. But it was still pretty impressive. And the second, so the first one, the the Loch Ness, it's, it's called a. Uh, uh, Tanifa, which I had never heard of the New Zealand equivalent to Loch Ness or, or Godzilla, but it's uh, Tanifa is like a Maori uh, legend. Uh, the second episode, though, they have this uh, these blonde. Uh, it's like three blonde girls in high school, like a girls' school, and they've become possessed with the like the dark power of witchcraft or something from a, a book in their library, and it's it's the episode's called Fear the Briannas, and it's. <laughs> amazing it's so good it's ridiculous and most of these shows like you know the the special effects the 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 monsters that's whatever like they're not going to win awards for best effects they're enough like they do enough you know um it's the police that is like the best part 
because there's these two bumbling cops, one of which is played by Mike Minogue, the other one uh, played by Karen O'Leary. Uh, neither who I think have done a whole lot outside of New Zealand. Like I, I looked around and you know, it's pretty much all New Zealand stuff. Um, and they're just idiots. They're absolute idiots in the best way. Like they, they tase themselves. They totally misunderstand such situations. Like, you know, they're, they're going into this creepy farm in the countryside outside of Wellington. And there's like a, 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 a awkward farmer and they're looking into crop circles and then they go, oh, he's like, oh, uh, yeah, he's awkward. He says weird things. And he's like, go over here to this other farm. You go to the other farm and it's the same actor. It's the same person. And there he's, he's trying to portray that he's a different uh, person. And at first you think, oh, that's weird. But it's because they're clones. You know, it's a whole thing. But like totally oblivious, like kind of anyway, just great, fantastic uh, comedy that's kind of dumb. Like it's not anything that's highbrow. This is a really uh, comfort food, uh, farcical kind of show, uh, like in the tradition of like BBC comedies, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and then their chief is this Maori, uh, character, uh, played by Maka Pohatu, uh, who is sort of like the expert in paranormal activities. Like he's the, the, the story of the storyteller, like the, the, he, he kind of says, Oh, well, that's probably vampires or, Oh, I'm going to have you go investigate uh werewolves or whatever. Like he's the, he sets it up, but he's got some of the best, like, again, just dumb humor, you know, <laughs> pratfalls, uh, misunderstanding. Like, just anyway, if you like that kind of vibe, and you don't, you have a short attention span because 30 minute episodes that are actually probably like closer to 20 something totally in my wheelhouse these days, I can totally take, and I can binge it too, because there's that punctuation among like, you know, these little short segments, but, um, gosh, it's just so great. And it's, there's another seat. So, so we're in the middle of the second season on HBO max. There's a third season that they're, they, they already filmed. And I guess they're doing a fourth season that's going to come out, you know, next year or something. Uh, and that's, they don't, they haven't said, but I think that's like probably going to be the end of it. Like they're kind of like, eh, it's a pretty good run. We're good. Um, so, you know, again, if you're familiar with what we do in shadows at all, it's in the same universe, sort of, though I have yet to see the crossover. Um, I think, Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. There is a crossover. Um, uh, one of the cops, if not both, uh, are in the movie "What We Do in Shadows." Oh, so there okay. is a there is that connection explicitly as a, as a crossover. But um, uh, other than that, it's not like "What We Do in Shadows," the American uh, show, where you know they have uh, you know the, the vampires from New Zealand show up. You know, at one episode that they do. Anyway, I I just love that kind of humor. I love the Taita and Jermaine. If you like Fly the Concords from back in the day, uh, oh my god, I miss them so much. <laughs> Uh, it's all of that. It's just all of that really wacky New Zealand sensibility. Um, and then what, th- there was a gay show that came out of, uh, New Zealand. Um, why are you like this? I think I talked about it on the show. Like <laughs> those two properties, those two shows like have to me, they've just made it clear that New Zealand is an amazing place full of lots of hilarious comedians and, and, and joy. Plus the fact that they've pretty much solved COVID or <laughs> at least been able to like control uh, COVID is, is you know, a good was, sign. But I was going to say at least like, you know, keep it from getting out of control. Yeah. 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 Shut the whole thing down. The country is canceled. Um, but no, I, I really like uh, the people involved in the series. 
again, it's not HBO Max. It's called Wellington Paranormal. Total easy to to, to binge, and uh, I would be really curious if anyone checks it out what they thought. Uh, just from what I've seen in the first season, uh, it's it's absolutely hilarious. It was one of those ones where I'm 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 saving it for when I when I start binging like because I kind of picked up The Walking Dead again from like when I stopped after like season four. So like, um, I, I now have like, so I have something dreadful to watch and then I have something like comedic to watch. It's a good palate cleanser. I like that. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So, so it, it's my palate cleanser show for when I'm watching too many dark TV shows. Nice. I don't know why, when you said that you were going to talk about this, that I thought it was related to like the YouTube cartoons that BJ has mentioned on the show before i don't know why i feel like name wise it kind of it kind of goes with that i don't know <laughs> oh hell of a boss and um that's the okay. hotel yeah. hell of a boss so on my twitch stream last night um some random new person joined the the stream and mentioned hell of a boss and i was like i'm pretty sure that my friend mentioned that on our podcast at one point <laughs> episode six of that just dropped by the way so well, there you go. There you go. Well, um, one more time. What platforms? HBO Max. Tim- HBO Max. Okay. That's, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to give out the wrong information. Have people yell at me. I'd rather look like I just have no short-term memory. <laughs> so that leads us to my topic, the last uh, of our round of topics. And it is one that BJ has talked about. And I remember being back at the palatial Rosevere estate uh, and talking about this show because uh, of the fact that um, Beast Boy just kept on turning into a green tiger off screen <laughs> and <laughs> their budget must not have been where it needed to be. But if you didn't get it from just that, I am talking about Titans. Uh, it's an American superhero streaming television series created by Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns and Greg Berlanti. Uh, it's based on the DC Comics team, Teen Titans. The series depicts a group of young heroes who join forces in their fight against evil. Featured as members of the eponymous Titans are Dick Grayson, Corey Anders, uh, which I just realized her name is Coriander. <laughs> you just realized that? I didn't watch the show nor read the comics. And then somebody <laughs> said it and I was like, oh, it's Coriander. Got her, it. Her her planet Tamaran is also a spice. <laughs> yeah. It shows you how much I pay attention. Uh, <laughs> again, short-term memory problems. Uh, Rachel Roth, uh, Gar Logan, Jason Todd, Donna Troy, Hank Hall, Don Granger, uh, Rose Wilson, and Connor. So BJ talked about this shortly after season one came out. I did not watch it then because I did not have DC Universe. Um, <laughs> I did not watch it when season two came out because I still did not have DC Universe. And then... I was sitting at home and a uh, a newish friend, the brother of one of my old bosses from um, one of my, I would say my last job, but now I've had two previous jobs here in Chicago. <laughs> he, uh, we had hung out, found out we're roughly pretty much the, the exact same age. I think we're like a month apart in age and he's a giant comic nerd as well. And we geeked out over X-Men comics, but he had discovered Titans and was like nonstop texting me about it, telling me I needed to watch. 
I was not. Uh, I think I might have either not been working or it was just one of those points where I was like, you know what? I've got some time. Why the fuck not? Uh, because, you know, once COVID hit, now it's a matter of like, okay, well, I guess there isn't a time like the present to do it. So might as well just start binging and decided I was going to watch uh, the first two seasons. And at that point, did not know that there was a season three in uh, the works. So I watched it thinking, I'm just going to binge through this entire series and be done. That was not the case. And I got to the <laughs> end of season two and realized, oh, shit, there is a third season that is coming. That was postponed due to the COVID pandemic, uh, but has uh, been released and uh, just came out, what, a month ago, I think was when uh, it premiered. We're four episodes he, in. Uh, so they dropped, I think, like the first three at once. Did they? So I think so. I believe so. Because because it hasn't been that long. It came out, I want to say it came out like the week after Suicide Squad came out. All right, fine. It's been a whole 12 days. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just found the spot on uh, the wiki page. So it premiered, season three premiered on August 12th of this year. Oh, okay. So, um, damn them for putting up multiple episodes and then dropping it down to one. <laughs> Fuck you and your ridiculous uh, release schedule because I was thinking, oh, season's out. I can go through and I can binge watch it. And then got to the end of episode four and l- almost immediately messaged this group and said, this is coming out weekly. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> yeah you did you you were like wait is this coming out weekly i was like yeah oh and even better i started live tweeting from uh the beginning of uh episode one of season three and was like really <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of things like in the first five minutes of the uh the season where i was like oh we just said fuck any type of long form storytelling we're just getting right to the point they've yep. condensed so many storylines into very quick um, portions of the television show. It's so it's it's weird because like season one, like you watch season one and it was very gradual in how they kind of like developed characters. Like the characters weren't super developed by the beginning of season two. Oh, and- by the beginning of season three. <laughs> But like season two was almost like a soft reboot because I they didn't mention the word Titans once in season one, so it was very weird. So because I remember, I think I talked, I said that when when I first watched season two, on talked about it on the show because we were like, I was like choices were made, and they they did a correction. I don't know if they corrected enough. It's like they corrected too much in one way and not enough in another way. If that makes any sense. And then season three, the whole series feels like it's written by somebody that doesn't like superheroes. Specifically, <laughs> they don't like Batman. Like, So they got with the person who wrote that line from season one because the entirety of season one was really just based around Robin saying, fuck Batman. <laughs> Everybody's like, ooh, there was a curse word. And he said, fuck Spicy. Batman. <laughs> But but yeah, so it, it's weird because like they like just a lot of traditional things that happen within like the Bat family and other stuff like they just threw that shit out the window. So spoiler alert from what I'm about to mention, but Batman just fucking straight up like murders the Joker 
and then just quits and disappears. And I'm like, what? Like, and that's like the first 10 minutes of the episode. I'm like, I've got another 30 minutes to digest this? The show went from fuck Batman to (laughs) Batman's a central character of this entire show, even though he's not, to straight up child murder and neglect to straight up murdering the Joker to then leaving, which I can only assume he's coming back. I mean, again, we're only four episodes into 13. And they, and they, and they introduced Tim Drake, like within the first five minutes of episode one. So he's the, the delivery kid. His name was Tim and he's like a huge Batman Robin fan. Um, Okay. And then, and shout out to all the other Robins who um, got name checked during a uh, essentially an email. Oh yeah, <laughs> they took the uh, Batman. Oh no, uh, fuck! Which movie was it? Was it Batman v Superman or was it Man of Steel? Which one was the one that had the post credit scene with the files? And then there was the other one that was Batman v Superman. Was the one where they did the emails? DC um, has this thing for uh, exposition via. Uh, files, whether they are paper, like middle of folders, or an email file with video clips. It it was, I think it was Batman v Superman. But they, the one thing I will say, when I watch, and mind you, I watched seasons one and two over a couple of days. I managed to get through it pretty quickly. Uh, for those of you who might remember my exploits as uh, the person who watched 40 seasons of Survivor in about 45 days, I managed to get through two seasons of, of um, Titans fairly quickly. But season one and season two, while they, like you said, BJ, season two did feel like there was a reboot of sorts. It always, to me, just felt like backdoor pilots for every other show <laughs> that they could possibly want to try to produce to see what would stick. Be- <laughs> Because I don't know how long Hawk and Dove were supposed to be around, but it really just felt like a Hawk and Dove pilot that kept coming back around (laughs) because they would show up again. Um, We obviously know that we got Doom Patrol out of this show. Yep. Um, But it just felt like there were so many, so many different backdoor pilots and so many other shows that they thought about doing and then with the demise of DC Universe and the assimilation into HBO Max that they did not continue with or that they attempted to that did not go anywhere. Because yeah. I, I want to say, like, um, I know Swamp Thing had a couple of episodes, but I want to say there were a couple of different shows that had potential, like, pilots or some form of uh, production done and then fell through. But Doom Patrol did make it through everything and is on what season? Is it a third season as well? Yeah, third season is is uh is coming out. I think this month. I think third season starts. Okay. Uh, because um Michelle Gomez is playing um I think Madame Scarlet. Um, I can't remember. It's it, she was in the uh, animated Teen Titans. Um, uh animated series as like one of the final big bads but um but yeah i think it's madam scarlet um shell gomez is playing her as the main antagonist for this season for a second i almost got really gay and said madam morrible 
<laughs> and realize this or isn't... go back in time and be Miss Scarlet from <laughs> Now, Aww. here's here's the thing. Um I will it's it's weird. It's like kind of what Gotham tried to do but better, but not really. It's weird. So like here's the thing. I will never ever forgive this show for making me find Dr. Crane, the Scarecrow, attractive. I will never forgive them for that. He is this chubby little pothead that does consulting gigs and is kind of the mastermind behind a lot of shit right now. And I want to make out with him in the worst way. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So he's pretty much every hipster gay in Seattle? Almost. (laughs) Almost. Except he doesn't wear trendy clothes. Um well, I mean, they're, they're prison issued. It's kind of hard to be trendy with that. And that and that works. Like, that right there just adds another layer on this, like, toxic attractiveness. Like, everything I shouldn't find attractive in a man is Scarecrow. And I'm like, Scarecrow. It literally could have been any other of the rogues gallery from Batman. And I would have been like, Oh, okay. But no, Scarecrow's always been portrayed as this like scrawny weirdo. And now I'm like, he's like, he's like a, he's like a a high dollar criminal that like smokes weed and will never give me the love I want. And I need to sleep with him now. Like, so every plant gay in (laughs) most major cities. He's, he's, oh, he's Darcy. Um, the comedian Darcy. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know who that is so I'll, I'll, he's he's he retired but he's uh when when i send you a video of him uh you'll you'll recognize him really quick but uh you say yeah. that like i watch a lot of comedy um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh so your reaction to scarecrow is my reaction to um the collector in what if <laughs> because I did not find Benicio del Toro attractive in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, <laughs> nor in uh, Infinity War, but the Jack Diesel uh, badass <laughs> that was in What If? <laughs> I was H word on main for <laughs> the collector. <laughs> See, I can use hip current lingo that the kids are using. <laughs> but I, I, I will say that season three did, did, did does, because it's still going on, uh, feel more cohesive. It doesn't feel like it's just trying to sell me other properties. It yeah. feels like there is an actual overarching story that is trying to be told and that is at the forefront of the show as opposed to being an afterthought to the show. Um, but I will not, where you won't forgive the show for having you uh, lust after Scarecrow. I will not forgive the show. Spoiler <laughs> alert for um, making me lust after Hawk through season one, through season two, <laughs> all the way into season three, get him butt ass naked. And literally you see his butt. And then fucking murder him at the end of that episode. I I screamed. I absolutely fucking <laughs> screamed. And I'm just like, and for the first time in this show, I was like, bitch, you should have listened to Dick. 
Why didn't you listen to like I'm never a, a, a like a, I'm never for like oh Night Nightwing was right like I'm never like that but like this show made me go why did nobody listen to Dick? <laughs> like I I, I and I mean Connor is Superboy how is he not faster than her fucking pulling the trigger anyway anyway it, that broke and then and then to add insult to injury that just fucking uh, crypto. Walking out covered in ash, I'm like, why? By ash, you mean the remains of Hawk? Uh, I was like, no. I was, why? Mm. You, mm. Uh. Not forgiven. Not forgiven. <laughs> so mad. So mad. I know. It, oh, oh, I'm still upset about that. And they made as dysfunctional as Hawk and Dove were. And I know that I should not be condoning dysfunctional um, relationships because they were a dysfunctional relationship that oh, yeah. both deserved better uh, and therapy. But they worked and they were adorable together. And then you blow him the fuck up <laughs> and make her be the reason why. Wow. I'm, I'm not going to lie. In terms of like, Batman villains and like anti-heroes and stuff. That was that was a that, that was a baller move. Like that was a straight up like how can I make this hurt as much as possible? And I was like that's why I screamed. I'm just sitting there and he's just sitting in the bed like singing to himself and I'm like but why well, is this d- them doing some version of the Judas contract? So they're doing a different version of uh, oh Jesus I don't even want to think about how they do the Judas contract. Um, they're I mean a, I know they haven't brought Tara in, so no. I didn't know if they were doing Dove instead of that. No, they're doing uh, they're doing a version of the Red Hood story. Okay, yeah. Except instead of Red Hood going after Batman, he's going after the Titans. Because in this show, they said. Here's Jason Todd. We're going to kill him in the first five minutes of season three, episode one. Good. And, and then. <laughs> As he should be. I mean, definitely. I mean, they, they casted him perfectly because the, the the actor that plays Jason Todd has got Jason Todd's personality down to like a T. Jason Todd's kind of a shit. So. And then almost immediately introduce red hood but don't draw uh, don't drag it out at all i feel like if it was like late in episode two they introduced red hood and in episode three they say it's jason like there is no yeah. delay it is not like the winter soldier where you have to pretend to not know who the winter soldier is for <laughs> half the movie before it's like oh, it's been bucky all along no they said okay their first fight we are destroying a piece of the helmet and he's going to, you know, Dick is going to see that it's Jason. They did not waste any time on it. Oh, I will yeah. say this for somebody who was not particularly like ready to jump up and be like, I'm going to watch the show. I, this season, I am a little more impressed. Uh, seasons one and two, meh. Season three, definitely more solid storytelling. So if you have HBO Max and you like DC, you're a casual fan of some of these characters. I will say that I do like Nightwing's costume better and those batons um, so much better than any other one. When he like put it against the the railing to electrocute, the, I was like, okay, cool. You're utilizing your your weapons to their potential. And I like this. 
But go check it out. It looks like uh, what's the twenty so two days from now? What's today? We're recording on Tuesday, so Thursdays. <laughs> New episodes are dropping on HBO Max. So go check it out. That is Titans. All right, dear listeners, we thank you so much for hanging out and listening to our show. Don't forget, you can check out our website at flameonshow.com, where you can find all of our social media, our Twitch channels, our YouTube channel with our Rainbow Spotlight videos hosted by Brian. Um, All that good stuff is there, including our Threadless shop, where you can buy your very own uh, Flame On swag and show your appreciation of the show through uh, apparel and merchandise that you can flaunt to your friends. You can also find our Patreon link there where you can become a member of our chosen familia on the Patreon site at any of the four levels that are there with lots of great perks and swag uh, available as well. And if you want to just go right to the Patreon page, it's patreon.com forward slash flame on show. And once again, our website is flame on show.com. All right, boys. It is time for the one-ups. These are the things that are giving us life, 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 life. Insert Mariah Carey singing right now. Giving me life. <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> it was there. I had to use it. All right. Uh, these are the things that are giving us life this month. Let's go back around and start with. Brian, what is your one up? So I have two. I'll make them quick first. And this is a visual aid, which no one can see, but I will show it to my (laughs) colleagues here anyway. Wait a minute, Eric, say it. Podcasting is a visual medium. (laughs) It can be. Uh, So this book, I just got this the other day. Uh, If you're a fan and I say this, I should tell you what it is. Uh, It is called an ode to Tom. Oh, and it is homoerotic art from Japan. So, and t- Tom, in this case, is Tom of Finland. These are three Japanese uh, mangaka, which are basically uh, manga creators, uh, artists, visual artists, who are uh, Go Mishima, uh, Gengoro Togame, who you probably are familiar with if you've read uh, My Husband's Brother. Mo, what's it called? What's the one that you have? Pat? My Brother's what? Husband. Thank you. My Brother's. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both make sense, but I mean, that's, yeah, anyway. Uh, and then uh, Jiraiya, um, uh, bo- uh, the last two of which I've seen the art in person in Japan, the other one, uh, Go Mishima, I have not. Anyway, great little book, not super huge, but it does have actual Japanese and English stories about each creator and sort of how they were inspired by Tom of Finland. And I mean, th- this is probably a good case where we're not uh, – streaming this live because the art's a little uh you know a little sexy a little uh kind of bondagey a little in some cases like, severe is that little pound cake that was tied up in that last photo <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're right i love um, it because because we're not using webcams we're using dslrs that are fixed focus that every time brian brings the book closer it's out of focus. So yeah. it's just a soft. So there's, a, <laughs> there's a season one uh, drag race filter on the pictures as he shows I can't, them. It, it, it's like in Japan when you have pornography and you have to blur the bits. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> it's a great little book. Uh, you can get on Amazon. I just got it. Highly recommended. And then related to that, but not really, but been in that same vein. Uh, I have had the pleasure of getting to know um, Isago Fukuda, 
Uh, and he is a another Japanese mangaka who is making this series called Queers. I may have mentioned it before. He was on a Rainbow Spotlight uh, back about six months ago or so. And he his his Queers uh, manga is being adapted into a tabletop RPG uh, by a company called Son of Oak. It is based on the City of Mist uh, gaming system, which I have never played, but I heard is fun. And Queers is really cool if you are interested in a sort of younger focused, very positive messaged uh, uh, manga about uh, queer characters coming together to fight evil, but also intolerance. Uh, it is great and very, very pleased. I've gotten to know the work very well because I'm actually helping him with with a project, but also getting to just like read this as soon as it comes out and getting to know him and the, and sort of the process behind it has been really cool. So uh, he's doing a Kickstarter for this project. I will post the link as soon as the Kickstarter launches. But by the time you hear this, it is pretty much guaranteed that it will be out and available. Please go support this. This is independently made tabletop gaming with a queer uh, superhero focus uh, by, by amazing parts of the community. Uh, it is called Queers with a Z and you can find it on Kickstarter. Yes, come on, late 90s, early 2000s edginess. Yes. <laughs> All right, BJ, what is your one-up? My one-up uh, is finally it happened. It fucking finally happened. We have a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. And Thank you, hackers. <laughs> no, I, so, so yes, the trailer, a rough version of the trailer without like some of the CG effects uh, got leaked uh, the day before it was officially supposed to be released, which was at CinemaCon. Um, but they released it a little early. Uh, thank you, hackers. Um, and I am, so I'm a little bit gagged because they are adapting one of the least liked storylines <laughs> to this movie and i'm actually excited about it because it's it's basically adapting one more day um except instead of mephesto instead of mephesto um mephesto confirmed <laughs> <laughs> um one Peter... more day in the arachnid city <laughs> one more day oh no oh sorry. my god what was what, there was the one game I was gonna say there's what well, but there another was a storyline Green Goblin. <laughs> there's a storyline <laughs> where um everybody gets spider powers and Peter loses his um but uh but no so they're uh, effectively Peter's life is turned upside down into shit because Mysterio outed him um and. Peter, in his desperation, goes to see Doctor Strange about possibly either erasing the memory or changing the moment in time. Uh, for whatever reason, Doctor Strange agrees to this very, very stupid idea. Because um, he's Mephisto. <laughs> and, uh, you heard it here, Mephisto confirmed. <laughs> and Peter being Peter um, disrupts the spell... Uh, so right now, that's the only thing we really have, but we do know, we have confirmed Green Goblin um, from the Sam Raimi um, Spider-Man movie and Dr. Octopus from the Spider-Man movie and uh, Jamie Foxx uh, will be reprising his role as Electro. However, uh, it looks like they're going to take a different take on the character, so we don't know if they're going to be multiverse hopping 
uh, to try and get back, or if um, or if they just have to deal with all the fucking ruptures that them and potentially Scarlet Witch. Everybody's just fucking over the multiverse right now. Like everybody is. Look, Girl, at Loki this point, Wanda's done the least. Wanda's <laughs> literally in the mountains right now fucking studying. Like, that's all she's doing, and she's going to find her kids. Like, she got is... a nice cup of tea. She is sitting by Lake Wundagore. She is minding her own goddamn business. Right. The rest of the MCU is fucking shit up. So, um, I was worried. So, uh, in all honesty, I was worried about like pretty much fans are almost getting everything they want. A lot of people still want Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield to reprise their roles. I'm uh, that honestly, Dr. Octopus coming back. That's the most and uh, green goblin, like those two right there. I'm getting everything I want in this movie. Um, but it makes me nervous when fans get everything they want, because I was worried it was going to be very fan servicey, but I like the idea of there's not one real central antagonist right now. It's just, it, it's that age old question of should Peter have his identity known? Should he, does he want to continue living this double life? And I think potentially spoiler alert, but I think potentially this puts all of his interpersonal relationships in jeopardy. And I think in the end, he's going to have to make the choice of if he wants to continue living that double life, MJ, Aunt May, Ned, they're all going to, he's going to have to let, he's going to have to take them out of the loop. He's going to have to take that decision from them to keep them safe. It's going to come down to a dance-off between him and Tobey Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Andrew Garfield just sitting there like, what the fuck are they doing? Um, But You know what would have made the trailer gag-worthy? Is if Catherine Hahn rolled out as Doc Ock. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. I forgot she Fucking voiced Olivia. Internet yeah. broken. I would if lose she my had eye. rolled out. Uh, you are correct. That if there's actually, I would love it if if they are multiverse hopping. I would love some sort of reference to Spider Verse. I would absolutely love a reference somewhere in there. So do but, we think uh, because of the multiversal connection here, A, that Kang is going to show up, and B, that uh, this is their chance to introduce uh, Miles Morales? Um, so interesting thing is the first Spider-Man movie, they kind of drop, they, they, they don't name drop him, but the Prowler mentions that he has a nephew. Um, and we're kind of assuming that he's super young because the Prowlers like oh, looks like he's in his twenties. The first one, meaning the MCU Spider-Man. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I was like, goddamn, that far back. But no, no, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because but, it was Donald Glover. Everybody wanted him to be Miles, so it was a yeah. nice little fan service slash nod to uh, to Miles. Uh, he vo- actually he voiced Miles in one of the animated series. I know, but um, they want him to be the real one, the live action <laughs> one. You know what I mean? <laughs> but. Uh, when we come into the second uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, th- there's been the blip. Five years have gone by. So if Miles wasn't blipped, then that means he'd be he'd be like four. I think he was. I think fourteen or fifteen. It would be easy to make him that age. So they could potentially use this as a jumping-off point for Miles because if they there, there's an idea that they might actually boot Tom Holland from the marvel universe like this 
and then that way they can have him with their Sony films. Um, if they if, what if they don't if if Disney doesn't purchase them first. Um, but yeah, no, I totally believe they could use this as a maybe not through the multiverse, but potentially just once Peter gets everything figured out, he could potentially like happen upon Miles, who's already been bitten by the spider, and is like. Why is there another one? And then we could get our amazing Spider-Man Spider-Man movie, which would be great. Um, but no, I'm 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 super excited. Uh, it looks it looks great. It, this will be technically Peter's first superhero movie, whereas the first two were kind of just like teen dramedies. Um, they felt more like teen dramedies than uh, like high school films, more than a like a superhero movie. So this one feels more a lot more like a superhero movie. They were um, also extensions of Tony Stark's story. His his fucking mistakes. Yeah. Peter cleaning up his goddamn garbage. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now Peter gets to make his own mistakes. <laughs> I mean, we already, we already see how that's going. So, which is the most fucking Peter Parker thing ever? Like, like the idea that his interpersonal relationships could be irrevocably taken away or damaged or erased. I'm very excited. So, um. Although I am super excited about Shang-Chi, which comes out in like a week or two. So, Love it. Love it. Eric, what is your one-up? Uh, my one-up is a brand new movie that just hit theaters. Uh, Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. Oh, that's right. Which... Where that was the first uh, Deadpool and uh, MCU crossover when... Uh, uh, oh, God. What was his... Or... Uh, Deadpool Korg. 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 That's how I was gonna yeah. <laughs> Korg guest starred on the uh the Deadpool like review or trailer reaction video, which was great. Exactly. Um so this is a movie set in a video game, which is very um GTA meets Fortnite-ish um thing where just all violence all the time and uh, Ryan Reynolds plays an NPC named Guy who works at the bank. And through reasons that are made clear in the movie, um, he begins to evolve and um, become like the lead character in the game. So he doesn't follow his normal NPC pre-coded guidelines. He's just doing whatever he wants and becoming... A real boy um, and falls in love with an actual player character played by uh, Judy Cormer. Comer? Comer. Um, she was from uh, Killing Eve. Um, and it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great um, cameos in it. Um, including do, 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 um, Hugh Jackman, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, Alex Trebek made his final acting cameo Aww. in this movie. Um, Channing Tatum and the voice of Tina Fey. Uh, and it's kind of neat and meta and gets a little Truman showy um, halfway through. Um because the real world is reacting to what guy is doing in the video game. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of Twitch uh, streamers, actual Twitch streamers that are in the movie doing cameos as well. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
Go check it out. It's very Ryan Ryan Reynoldsy. Nice. All right. Well, my one up. I'm going to give a shout out. Uh, Alanis Morissette is finally getting ready to kick off her world tour uh, in celebration of 26 years of Jagged Little Pill <laughs> with, with special guest Garbage. And sadly, the person who I was excited was going to be part of the show as well uh, was Liz Fair, who unfortunately will now not be part of these shows. So um, that's in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that. But in addition to that, a new game show has emerged from what seems to be the ashes of um, Jane Lynch and Ellen's uh, seeming domination of fantastic games. Uh, I don't feel like Game of Games has been renewed when uh, after Ellen kind of said she was going to depart the daytime side. I don't know if they continued on or have uh, looked to do another season of that. And then uh, Jane Lynch's Hollywood Game Night has kind of been on what seems like an indefinite hiatus. They did some episodes uh, after the pandemic started that were virtual, but obviously with not having you know a crowd or having a lot of people in one place wasn't very conducive during all of this. There has been a replacement that has come in and kind of combined a little bit of both of these game shows into one. Hosted by, for the most part, problematic free celebrities. <laughs> Except for the fact that they apparently don't like to bathe their children until they smell. Which, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I have a dog. And I know that it's a pain in the ass to wash uh, unwilling participants. And uh, so I don't blame them for not bathing their kids every day. Listen, if, <laughs> I, I, I don't blame them at all. Now, the celebrities that said that they don't wash themselves every day, that's a problem. Looking at you, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> and then the other ones that chimed in and said, we don't shower, or, or Jake Gyllenhaal and some other, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, but Zach Shepard and uh, Kristen Bell are now the hosts of Family Game Fight, which uh, takes families and pits them against each other in ridiculous games for the chance to win up to $100,000. A uh, little bit of a twist on this is that Kristen and Dax join each of the teams. Like each one goes to one team, one goes to the other, and they participate in the games as well, which means that uh, they will get like ice water dumped on them in some of the games and all of these other random things. So it's, uh, it's super cute. It's fun. And what I like is that it's not just when they say family, they use a very, uh, what I feel is, in a sense, a very queer definition of family. They have uh, they've had guys that were that all played football for years together. That are a family. They have people that are army wives that are a family, and it's a very cool kind of thought process to have people that are are connected that by more than just blood to be family. And uh, Kristen Bell is just a goddamn treasure. Dax is fine too, and he's cute. Whatever, like they, together, they are adorable. Um, but Kristen Bell, holy crap, just <laughs> a fucking treasure, and is a teensy tiny and just so cute. So, if you haven't checked it out, I think it's NBC. I don't know. I don't watch things on regular television. I watch them on Hulu, so um, I don't always pay attention to like the the. Uh, network bumper cards that come up at the beginning 
Uh, but I think it's on on NBC. But if you have Hulu, they show them there. So uh, go check it out. And that is my one up for this month. So once again, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. It has been a delight and a pleasure to chat for you all. Uh, go check out our website, flameonshow.com. Go check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. And until next time, Bobby Uch. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 